Parshas Kisavo. Let's develop a theme, an idea pertinent not only to Parshas Kisavo itself, but really to its placement in Sefer Dvarim as a whole. I would title the Shir as follows. Kisavo, the challenge and opportunity of maturing into adulthood. Maturation is, in fact, both a challenge and an opportunity. Of course, it's an opportunity. Independence comes with all sorts of promises. The ability to achieve things. The ability to come in my own and be separate from my parents, unlike the child who is viewed and views themselves to some degree as an appendage of their parents. Well, as an adult, I blaze my own destiny. But we know, as with every transition, maturation is a tumultuous, tumultuous process. I posit that this sort of tension can be traced not only in human development, in the development of the individual, but likewise in the development of Kali Yisrael as a nation. We have studied in the past the words of the Navi Yecheska, who calls Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim the birth, Moladatayich B'yom Holadatayich. Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is like the birth. How resonant that the pattern continues the 40 years in the desert, which Chazal, as cited by Rashi in our parsha, compares to the Arbaam Shana, the 40 years that it takes a student to develop after having learned from their teacher, or the 40 years called Ben Arbaam Labina in Pirkeyos, the 40 years until a person develops the ability to intuit for themselves that which they learned. The 40 years in the Midbar when Hashem was still taking care of them we were still coming into our own. It is when we enter Eretz Yisrael and we become self-sufficient, no longer sustained by man. We are earning our own keep. We are no longer being taught Torah by Moshe Rabbeinu's open revelation, but we are actually applying the Torah for ourselves. That is when we, from a national perspective, come into our own. And this issue is very relevant to Sefer Dvarim, this very juncture and phase in human history, when we stand at the threshold to enter the land. We are preparing to enter adulthood. This is kind of that last lecture which the parent is giving the child before the child leaves home and is now going to be on their own two feet. And all the fear and all the concerns, are you going to be able to do this thing yourself? Materialize. This is the last lecture in Chumash, that last pep talk, which Moshe on behalf of Hashem is giving the Jewish people before they enter the land and mature into adulthood. We want to develop that now from our parsha. Our parsha is a major culmination point within Sefer Dvarim. Because we know that Sefer Dvarim is called Mishnah Torah, a review of Torah, a second Torah, aside from the presentation of Torah almost 40 years before in Harsinai. Here, in the plains of Moab, Moshe is re-giving the Torah to the Jewish people. Well, that demarcation, that there's a second giving of Torah to the Jewish people, to mark the new stage in national development 
We are not quite the same as when we left Mitzrayim, when a first Torah, a first Matan Torah was appropriate. Now we need a Matan Torah to suit us presently. That notion of Mishnah Torah is most explicitly articulated in this week's parsha, Because in this week's parsha, after the Tochacha, after the blessings and curses which we are given for mitzvah observance, or Chalila violation, the Pasuk says as follows, this is the bris. This concludes the bris of Arvas Moav, which was given in addition to the previous bris of Harsinai. That here in Parshas Kisafa, when the when the brachas and the Tochacha are articulated, this signifies the end of the second bris, which, as alluded to by Rashi, is a very neat perspective, because the first bris, the first Matan Torah, described in Svarim, Shmos, and Vayikro, and the Jewish people were still camped at Harsinai, well, they conclude at the end of Sefer Vayikra in Parshas Tuchukosai with blessings and curses. Right, the very last psukim before Sefer Bamidbar begins, before the Sefer of Travel begins. By Yikra, which is the end of the Harsinai experience, concludes with blessings and curses to signify the end of that first bris. So how textually resonant, how symmetrical, that likewise this second bris, Sefer Tvarim, the presentation, the representation of Torah, the second presentation is concluding with blessings and curses, and the Torah is bringing out this symmetry. So here concludes the second bris aside from the first bris. This second bris, this Mishnah Torah, must be so much more than pure review. I mean, review has its place. But a review, we oftentimes look at as just a technical procedure to ensure the student remembers. Let's do a quick recap. The notion that this is a second bris, according to the Chosh, means it is so much more than a review or a recap. It is a second relationship building with Hashem. Bris is a relationship building. This is a second bonding with Hashem. The Jewish people bond with Hashem over Torah. Yisrael v'araisa v'kotshabifu There are three components, Hashem and the Jewish people, glued by the Torah, right? So we glued with Hashem in one sense through a bris of Harsinai, and here there is not simply a review, but a new bris, a new approach to Torah, a new approach to Hashem formalized as a bris. Why so? It is because, as we said, we are not the same people. When we left Mitzrayim, our relationship to Hashem was frankly immature. We were dependent on Hashem. So yeah, it's a covenant in terms of we'll follow along with what you say, the way a child, when finally they get their disobedience in order, at the end of the day, you follow along with mom and dad, we follow along with Hashem. But as an adult on the other hand, we have a mature perspective. The Jew- Jewish consciousness has come into its own over these 40 years. We have a particularly personal perspective, national perspective, how we view things. You might say we are bonding with Hashem in this bris less like a parent and a child and more like spouses. We come into this as figures to be reckoned with in our own that ultimately Hashem doesn't simply want followers. Certainly Hashem does not want simply robotic practitioners. 
Hashem wants the richness of a give and take. And this, of course, happens most dramatically in Torah Shabbat. The whole notion that we contribute, we interpret the Torah our way. And if we do it authentically, Hashem recognizes our understanding, our self-expression, our sentiments in Judaism, our minhagim. It's a very powerful notion of Torah Shabbat, which really is what this Sefer Dvarim is all about. Sefer Dvarim is introduced from its very inception in Parshas Dvarim with the words, Ho'il Moshe Be'eres HaTorah Hazos. Moshe began a commentary of Torah, which means, says Ramban, it was not simply a repeat. It was an elaboration. It was taking principles which were previously said as just do's and don'ts, and now giving elaboration, giving intellectual and emotional touch points to the people, how to relate, how to understand. Sefer Dvarim is as Rav Tzadok HaKohen Lublin calls it, the Torah Shabal Pah within Torah Shabbat It is a commentary within the scripture itself, which is perhaps reflected by the term Mishnah Torah itself, the term Mishnah carrying foreshadowings of the Mishnah and Torah Shabal as we know. That I would suggest before the curtain of Torah closes, before the revelation of Chumash stops, Hashem is already modeling for us what we're supposed to do after the curtain closes. Chumash will come to an end, the instruction's over, we are leaving the classroom. Well, now it is time for us to do something with it. Interpret my Torah, Jewish people. Think about it. Think about the way you understand it, what it means to you. Observe it with your own unique sentiments. Well, that's a big deal. To be able to be mechadish, to be creative and yet be authentic in fulfillment of the original. Chiddush without chinoy, creativity without adulteration. That, that's a very adult concept. We trust that our children will enter the world and do things differently than us, do things their own way. But ultimately in comportment with our values. That is really what Hashem is doing here in Sefer Dvarim, I would suggest. That is the power of Mishnah Torah, Be'eras HaTorah, the Torah Shabbat within Torah Shabbat Right before Chumash concludes, it, it's powerful, it's poignant, that he is modeling for us the next process, hence the Torah Shabbat within Torah Shabbat All of that is coming to its head, coming to its grand finale here in Parshas Kisavo. When Hashem says, this is the end of the second bris, as connoted by the blessings and the curses of this parsha, which close this second covenant, just as blessings and the curses close the covenant almost 40 years earlier at Harsina. So really, we are looking at the second bris of Torah, the Mishnah Torah, which concludes in our parsha as in truth, so much more than a repeat, than a review, it is revealing a whole new notion. How Torah grows with us. We need to find touch points to Torah as they're relevant now. We're a different Jewish people. Think of the famous mashal that has been said. There's a masculine way of saying the mashal, there's a feminine way of saying the mashal. Considering who I am, I will say it with the masculine, but it could be applied on the other way as well. 
if you imagine, you'll excuse me, a male locker room scene, whether in the JCC or in the classic Yiddish milieu in the mikvah. And everyone's getting dressed. And you kind of, you know, you see people's undergarments. We're all, we're all adults. We can handle this one. And there's one fellow who his sits as his talus cotton, they notice, is a tiny talus cotton, really less than the sheer, the type of tzitzis which you put on a three-year-old right after they become toilet trained and they start to wear tzitzis. And you know, oftentimes the mother will buy the Judaica store, the puffy paint tzitzis, where it has a little olive base and it has a little Winnie the Pooh with a yarmulke, the puffy paint tzitzis. And they see this 35-year-old guy, he's wearing the puffy paint tzitzis, which isn't even really, it's for Hinoch purposes. It's, it's not really large enough for a gadol to be yotze. And they say, you know, you'll excuse me, sir. What are you doing wearing puffy pink tzitzis? And he says, well, my mommy bought it for me. So it's very precious to me. And perhaps some people are sentimentally touched by that. But one of the more macho people tells him in the mikvah locker room, you know, you're not three years old anymore. You're 35. You ought to get age-appropriate tzitzis. Well, the nimshal is, we can't learn Torah we can't relate to Torah, relate to Hashem the same way we related in childhood. Many people have infantile notions of what Hashem even means, what Torah means, what mitzvahs means, what Shabbos means, what relationship means. They have people have infantile notions that do not become age-appropriate because it needs to grow with you. I am suggesting that here in Mishnah Torah, here in Parashas Kisavu concluding the Mishnah Torah, Hashem is not representing the same Torah simply for review purposes. He's reformulating it. It's a divine re-invite to relate to Torah anew. Now as a mature adult, now as a Baal Torah Shaval we're going to bring our own spin to it with total fidelity to the original, but yet with self-expression. So this is an exciting concept. This really tells us much of what Torah Shabbat is like, it tells us much of what adulthood is like, and our dreams for our own children, to be independent and yet in line with our values. And that can be done, and that is how Hashem really is relating to us. That is how the ultimate Father is relating to all of us. He's not hold, he, he, he is not holding us hostage, he is not keeping us firmly behind his apron and insisting we hold on to those apron strings, no, that's not the way he works. And ultimately, that is not the way that the parent of the adult works, unless they are having one of those syndromes of inability to let go, which is not a healthy way to be, really reflects a deficiency on a parent's part, as we know. It's the greatest dream. Child comes into their own. And you want to see some personality there. You don't want to see robotic continuation. That is the grandiose message I'm suggesting taking shape here in our parish in Mishnah Torah. And that's a lot. And as with every Mechudishtik suggestion, we want to develop it further. We want to find proofs. We want to find clues. We want to find... We want to see a picture developing here reflecting this. I want to find in our parish. This idea further developed that the Mishnah Torah, which concludes here, means a Torah now which the Jewish people are taking ownership of in their own terms, becoming guardians of in their own right, rather than simply the Torah of Hashem, 
that they are as followers observing as the first Tolos. Well, I think the clue is considering that we noted that our parasha's culmination of the Mishnah Torah is the blessings and the curses, I think we ought to go back to the narrative immediately before the blessings and the curses and see how it's kind of beginning to close the knot of Mishnah Torah. So right before the narrative of blessings and curses, we have in our parsha the mitzvah of Hargrizim Hareva, that the Jewish people are, when they enter the land, supposed to stand at two mountain sides, and there are 11 blessings and curses that will be uttered. Well, Chazal in several places, including Rashi and Parshas Lech Lecha, understand these blessings and curses are not simply individual blessings and curses, but are actually Shvuas HaTorah, a general recommitment to Torah. I would like to posit that our Parsha is introducing the spectacle at Hagrizim Hareva to serve as the forging of the Mishnah Torah. That just as the first Torah involved a commitment, a shvua, Mushbav Omid al-Harsina, involved a shvua commitment at a mountainside, this Mishnah Torah, this second covenant being formulated at this very junction in Parshas Kisavu, has a mountainside spectacle scene of its own, and that is Hargrizim Hareva. It's a certain very exciting possibility-laden perspective that this mitzvah, Hargrizim Hareva, occurring specifically here at this juncture when the Mishnah Torah, narrated here in the Fumsh, as the, the, the Mishnah Torah is coming to a close, close, is really creating a second Harsinai of sorts, or mountainside, right? And that's why Chazal are calling it Shvuas HaTorah, an, an oath binding us to keep Torah, just as they likewise call Harsinai, an oath of Torah, Mushbav only may Harsinai. And what we will see as we dig in further here is the scene of Hargrizim Hareva is a, truly a second Harsinai. There are so many textual patterns, echoes, reverberations of Harsinai at Hargrizim but yet at the same time, we will come to understand it is different than Harsinai because it is contouring the second Torah, the Torah of Jewish independence, the Torah of Jewish maturity, the Torah Shabbat. Let's begin by tracing the powerful correlations between Hargrizim and Hareval and Harsinai. Well, For starters, the Pusk in our parsha speaks about stones which are to be erected at Hargreaves and Harrivel. Stones from which Shamizbeach is built, an altar is built. Takimuas Havana Muvanisa Shamizbeach. Or wreck stones, build an altar, 
Chazal say there were 12 of these stones parallel in the Shvatim constructed on Kagris and Harevel. Well, how unmistakably similar to Harsinai, where the Torah told us back in Shemoz Parachavdal, Vayivan Mizbeach Tachas Ahar Ushtemasreimatseva. An altar of 12 stones at Harsinai, and here we're tracing an altar of 12 stones at Hagrizim Harevel. Uncanny. And then listen to this. The Pasuk in our parasha talks about how those stones at Hagrizim and Harevel should be cut. You should not cut these altar stones by wielding iron. Well, that very Pasuk appears in Sefer Shmos regarding Harsinai. Shmos Parakhaf, Lo Sivna Asham Gazas, Kichar Allah. Same terminologies to obtain. Don't cut them Gazas, Kichar Bachahinafta, because you've wielded a sword. Number three, in our Parsha, we have a depiction of Karbanos to be sacrificed at Hargrizim Harevo. Valislav Olos Vizavachta Shlomen. Sacrifice burnt offerings, Olos and, and Shlomen. Peace offerings. Well, that is exactly what it says at Harsinai back in Shmos Parachavdal and Vayalu Olos Vayizbechus Vachem Shlomen. Number four, there is a Pasak here in our Parsha, Tvarm Zain, in regard to Hargrizim Harevo. It says, Hayom Hazen Yeh You've become a people today, which Rashi interprets to me. Bechol yu, yom yu beinecha ki'ilu hayom basim bris. You should always see Torah as new and fresh. Well, the very same sort of Pasuk and rabbinic derivation appears back at Harsinai, in Shmos Parakitas. By Yom Hazebo, they came on this very day. It happened by Yom Hazeh, this very day, just as we trace the Hayom Hazeh here in Dvar. And there are two, Rashi says, it should be like it was given today. So here we have so many powerful echoes of Harsina and Hagrizim Hareva. And the suggestion, our suggestion is our thesis is really taking shape. A second mountainside spectacle with so many of the accessories or features of Harsina taking shape here to represent that this is, in fact, a second Torah. It is a second Harsinai, because the present stage of Jewish maturation, we are now people, we are now a Jewish nation with a Torah culture, a Torah way of thinking, a Torah consciousness, personal creativity. So we are going to approach Torah differently, which will now begin to explain a slew of distinctions. For every comparison, there's a contrast. I would now like to trace a slew of distinctions between Hargrizim and Harevel versus Harsinai. And we will see, for all the comparisons, the power of the contrast will show, will all point to the same idea. This covenant taking shape here is a covenant of Jewish independence rather than following Hashem with the innocence of a child as things had to be in the beginning at Harsinai. Because listen to the following five powerful contrasts, which all point in the same direction. The first thing to notice, who's talking? Who is the narrator at the mountainside spectrum? At Harsinai, of course, 
the narrator was the divine narrator. The narrator was Hashem. Well, at Harkrisim Harevo, there is no Nevoah. The people are the narrators. The Levim on the bottom of the mountain declare blessings and curses, and the Shvatim on the top of the two mountains declare Amen. Right? The divine narrator is being replaced by the people. Well, yes, indeed, the people are coming into their own here. Appreciating that it's a Harsin I take to as we traced in the previous pattern. How powerful that we become the narrator occupying the space of the divine here, because it is becoming our total. We are assuming responsibility. Contrast number two with Harsina. Who's on the top of the mountain and who's on the bottom of the mountain? At Harsinai, the Shechina and Moshe and Aaron and the Zakeda, the leadership, was on the top of the mountain and the people are on the bottom. Well, how powerful an inverse that our parasha tells us that Hargriz and Harevo, the leadership, the Levim, stood at the foot of the mountain. And it is the Shvatim who are on the top of the two mountains. Some Shvatim and Hargriz and Shvatim and Harevo. That assemblage form is no coincidence at all, that it's such a powerful inverse perspective. Leadership on the bottom rank and final on top to represent the leadership is handing the keys to the rank and file. Every yid is coming into his own, is if we may be so bold as to say is becoming the bylum of Torah themselves, as Tono Hashem was. Think of the parent who gives their child the keys, whether the keys to a vehicle or the like. I am imbuing you with the power and the responsibility to use this well. That is what Hashem is doing with Torah here. Contrast number three. At Harsinai, Hashem declared Aseras Hadibros, ten statements. Now we know ten is a divine number. Kabbalah says ten is a number of unity to connote Hashem Achad. Well, how many blessings and curses were there? Eleven of each. Rashi explains that this is to parallel the Shvatim. There ought to really have been twelve blessings and curses, but one tribe, Shimon, has certain culpabilities. And they kind of have enough to deal with. They, they've been damned enough. There ought not be a curse to parallel them. And that's why instead of 12 curses, there are 11 curses here. But the point is that according to Rashi's perspective, when you think about it, in place of the 10 divine number, divine perspective of Harsinai, the number here is paralleling the number of tribes, minus Shem and 11. The people are the frame of reference, not the divine. Because it is becoming our total with the promises for us to come into our own, with the possibilities for us to come into the zone as Bali Torah. Contrast number four. Harsinai was Aseris Hadibras, or Ten Commandments. Do's and don'ts from Hashem. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. At Hargreaves and Harevel, it wasn't thou shalt, thou shalt not. It's blessings and curses. It's consequences. A very different perspective to think about when we're comparing Harsinai versus Hagris and Hareva. Thou shall, thou shall not. The Aseris Hadibris modality, legislation, is really the authority's perspective. Dictation. This is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. And no more needs to be said than but you understand from the people's perspective, of course we grapple with the question, should I really listen? We have a Yitzhahara, we have independence, should I really listen? And the question becomes, what are the consequences? 
let's think for ourselves what ought to motivate my behavior here. So Torah from the perspective of the people, as the people are internalizing it for themselves and taking responsibility, now the focus is not simply thou shall, thou shall not, because believe it or not, we people sometimes think maybe I will violate holy law. Who says? Oh, think about consequences, blessings and curses. That's how we need to operate. And the final powerful contrast is the number of mountains. Har Sinai is one mountain. One is, of course, a number of unity, a number of the divine Hashem Echad. Hagrizim Harevo are two, one mountain of blessing, one mountain of curses. It's been noted that until this very day, Hagrizim, the mountain of blessings, is a fertile mountain with greenery. You can see this in Eretz Yisrael. Harevo, the mountain of curses, is a barren, lifeless, vegetationless mountain. There is the blessing and curses as two distinct realms. Good and bad, tovara. That is a very human perspective where we bifurcate good and evil, life and death, blessings and curses, duality. Hashem really doesn't have duality. Hashem is the one and only, and as the Rambam writes, from Hashem's perspective, there's really not any alternative. There's not this bad as opposed to him. Bad from Hashem's perspective is really a smokescreen. It's a human perspective where there is evil and it has to be distinguished from good. And we have to be very clear and resolute. There's good and evil. Yeah, that's a resolute human perspective. Of course, it's a higher divine truth in which there is no evil. Evil is itself a delusion. So here we have so many compare contrasts from the who's talking to the how many mountains, to the commandments versus blessings and versus consequences, to the who's on top of the mountain, who's on bottom, which all point to this understanding that Harsina, that Harizim Hareva represent what Mishnah Torah is all about. This second bris which concludes here, which is really a bris of Torah Shvalpah, a bris of the Jewish people coming into their own. It's our Torah. We have our own self-expression. And that's what Hashem wants. Hashem wants adult partners in this relationship who bring their own perspective and enrich the relationship with everything they bring to the table. Well, we started this presentation of... Sefer Dvarim as a Tefer of Torah Shabal Peh, by noting the opening phraseology early in Parashas Dvarim, Be'eras HaTorazos, Ha'wo Moshe Be'eras HaTorazos. How powerful now to study at Hargrizim Harevo, the culmination of that bris, our parasha uses the following expression. It says, regarding the engraving on the stones which is to take place, it says, you should write the Torah in this ritual well explained. And, and Chazal in both places give the exact same explaction. Just the Kol Moshe Be'eres HaTorah Zos in the beginning of Sefer Tvar means an explanation of translating the Torah into 70 languages. So to hear in the Hagrizim Haraival narrative, Be'er, that same phraseology, describes a translation of Torah. Translation is, of course, so much more than simply a change of language. Translation represents new ways of looking at the original. We know that every language, every translation is in fact a commentary. Right? No translation is carbon copy. That's why translations can be very dangerous. They can distort, as they so often do. Right? We need go no further than Gehenim translated as hell or, pur or purgatory, which totally distort the concept and give horrible, satanic, Christian 
connotations. That's for another discussion. Gehenna is not that at all. There is no concept of anything other than something loving and beautiful in Judaism, including including a heavy therapeutic experience, which is what Gehenna is. That's for another occasion. Just pointing out translations change the meaning, and they could distort. Good translations hopefully provide commentary, provide a particular perspective. So the fact that Sefer Dvarim begins with a self-definition, this is a Be'eres HaTorah, so this is a commentary of Torah, a translation of Torah, giving all the variant perspectives as represented by the 70 languages and opening up really really serving as a kaleidoscope of sorts, or you might say as a prism separating the light into so many different shades and colors, which the one observing the Torah can find their color in a true rainbow coalition of sorts, of a Yisrael, everyone coming to see the Torah in their way, as long as it's an authentic perspective. Well, here, at the end of the covenant, Hagrizim Harevel in our parasha, the mountainside her Sinai take too. But now a Torah of a Jewish people who is mature, who is ready for Beharis HaTorah. How meaningful, how powerful, how resonant the echo that once again we are told Be'er. It is a commentary slash translation to take place. It is a Torah which is now to become accessible to the people in their own terms, how they could relate to each one with their own nuance, own language, own neshama. That is what this verse is all about. Indeed, the bris taking shape in our parsha, Mishnah Torah, is all about maturing into adulthood. Hashem trusting us and entrusting us as guardians of Torah. This is my Torah, Hashem says, but now it becomes yours. Torah delehi, it becomes ours, which we guard it well, we guard it lovingly and with fidelity. And at the same time with self-expression, because it is our Torah. And that is what Hashem wants, just as every parent, when their child comes of age, welcomes nothing more than when the child is going to do things differently than them. The child will behave in accordance with the child's neshama, but thereby further advancing the value of the parents. Amen, Kenny, he may we all live a Mishnah Torah of sorts. May we all find personal expression, Chiddush and Torah, our own understandings, our own means of Kiyam HaTorah, all in total fidelity to the Torah, but fully consistent with each of our neshamas and the self-expression, which we all need in Torah. This is a major, major and relevant concept, finding oneself in Torah, Amen. Can you hear Thank you very much.